0: It's been a good day, hasn't it? And it just keeps getting better. So here's our opportunity to continue to worship the Lord by opening up His Word together. So why don't you open your Bibles with me, and we are back in the book of Mark Uh, Back in the book of Mark, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, that's okay. Uh, We want you to have one in front of you so uh, you can get our ushers' attention. They would love to give you a copy of that. Or uh, you can follow along with us on the Bible app under Events. You'll find our church there, and uh, you can follow along with the Scriptures and take notes if you would like. We really want you to be in uh, God's Word with us. We are in Mark chapter 9. I just want to tell you, as a church, we are getting after making disciples this is what we do and we are convinced like this is the best thing that you could do with your life is to follow Jesus and we want we want you to be a disciple all right so um, sometimes I think it's good for us to encourage one another as a church and uh, so we need to interact just a little bit here uh, because I want us to uh, build one another up and encourage one another right now so here's what I want you to do I want you to turn to your neighbor here's what I want you to tell him we want you to be a disciple. Go ahead and let them know. We want you to be a disciple. Did you know that? This is personal. We want you. We're not just talking about like people in general. You. And if you want to be a disciple, we're just going to have to lay this all out here. you got to know what you're up against. It's not easy, all right? One of the greatest hindrances if not the greatest hindrance to your discipleship is you I'm not trying to be a jerk by saying that I'm just saying like uh, the reason I know that is because you're like me and we like to put ourselves first you know what I'm talking about all right this comes kind of naturally to us uh, lately, uh, we're in birthday uh, season at our house, and I had my birthday just a couple of weeks ago. And Carissa decided that she was going to get me a chocolate pie. We have we're having lots of birthday cakes. We're making lots of birthday cakes right now. But she decided to get me a chocolate pie. I'm kind of a girl about chocolate. I love it. And so she gets this out, and I see it, and instantly, immediately, in my mind, I'm thinking of three good reasons why I should get the biggest piece of pie in the house. One, I'm the dad. That's the way it works. Amen. Amen. Um, Two, it's my birthday. And three, it's me, and I want it, all right? I know it's kind of sad that I'm, like, getting into competition with my kids over who's going to get the biggest piece, but I don't know why this happens. Whenever food comes out, I'm, like, eyeing Carissa to see how big of a piece is she going to get. Don't judge me. I know that some of y'all struggle with this as well, right? This just kind of comes naturally where we think about ourselves First, and then it's actually uh, confirmed for us that this is acceptable by our culture. I mean, how many times this week have, have you heard uh, maybe uh, kind of an implied message or an underlying message? You've basically heard you need to think about you first, spend time the way you want. What what, what do you want to do this summer? What do you want to do this weekend? Go buy what you want to buy. What's going to make you happy? Post pics that that are going to make you look really good. Highlight your best side. Make pics that that are going to show others that you're funnier than they are, that you're more well-read than they are, that that you're trendier, that you're sexier, that you have a better social life, that you have more money, that you're more tolerant, that you're more accepting. You need to be yourself. Do what you want to do, and don't let anybody tell you that that's wrong. You need to protect yourself, protect your interests. You come first. Do you hear this kind of stuff? We hear this stuff all the time, don't we? Well, don't, don't, don't blame the culture, though. They're just kind of picking up on and, and capitalizing what's already in our hearts. But I, I need to tell you something. If you want to be a disciple, you need to know who's first in your life. And you can't put yourself First and follow Jesus. Doesn't work. Let me show it to you. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. I'm going to start reading in verse 30. You follow along. Verse 30. He says, They, that's uh, Jesus and the disciples, went on from there and passed through Galilee. But they kept silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, "If If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And then he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And let me. Let me give you just a big idea of this passage. If you're taking notes, note this, okay? When you put yourself last, you can put Jesus first. It's only when you learn to do that that we can really put Jesus first in our life. Father, I pray that you would Use your word even now. Uh, we, we love you, and we want to be disciples. And God, we're just confessing right now that this is a struggle for us, that we often want to put ourselves first, and I pray that you would teach us that you are better than that. I pray that you would show us again that you are great and glorious. Remind us of what we do deserve, but what you give us instead. And I pray that we would love to hear your word, and that we would become more like you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let me give you uh, two habits here of disciples who put themselves last and put Jesus first, all right? Here's, uh, here's two habits. Here's one. Um, you know this. Serve like Christ. you got to serve like Christ. He's going to give us an example here to follow. In verse 30, he says that he's passing through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know. So he's not broadcasting his location here, probably because most of the crowds misunderstand who he is and what he's come to do. And he's really trying, he's focusing on teaching his disciples that they might understand that the Messiah must suffer. That's why he came. And so he gives us this, uh, this is the second of three predictions that he makes, that he's going to die and then be raised to new life. The problem is, verse 32, again, the disciples did not understand, and they're afraid to ask him. Because it's still not what they're expecting of the Messiah. And so they still need more teaching. So, verse 33, they came to... Uh, Capernaum. Anybody want to see some Israel pics? Uh, You want to see? Okay, cool. Uh, So I'm going to put this, I'm actually going to like map this out for you because I want you to see where this is, all right? So here is a map of Israel and and up here you can see uh, the Sea of Galilee right on top here on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. That is Capernaum right there, all right? And you can see in conjunction to Jerusalem down here where he's going. And we, we just to keep this in mind, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem after the, the halfway point of Mark in Caesarea Philippi up here, a little bit further north, where Peter finally got the answer right and said, You are the Christ. But he comes here to Capernaum. And I've got a picture of the fishing village. This is what it looks like. You can see it's actually, these are the ruins uh, from Jesus' time. You can see the Sea of Galilee behind me there. It's beautiful. It's really peaceful. What's really cool is when you walk into this city now in modern day, there's a big sign as you're walking in that says Capernaum, or Capernaum, the village of Jesus, the, the town of Jesus. You say, wait, "Wait, wait, wait! I thought he was. I thought he was born in in Bethlehem. He was. Uh, you know, he grew up in Nazareth. So why is Capernaum claiming to be the town of uh, of Jesus?" Well, uh, the reason is because Jesus really picked this spot to set up his headquarters for his ministry in Galilee. There's a lot that's happening here. Uh, in, in fact, um, the text says that he came to Capernaum, and when he was in The house. Now, we don't know for certain, but it's likely that it's this house right here. You can see there's kind of a structure over top of uh, of this, but this right here, this is the house that belonged to Peter's mother-in-law. This is where Jesus walked into and healed Peter's mother-in-law. That's where they lowered the paralytic down so that he could heal him, and it's likely that this is where he's at with his disciples right here. He stops back in here, he gets alone with them in the house, and whenever Jesus is alone with his disciples in the book of Mark, that's often the setting where he's going to give them some further private instruction and stuff that we need to hear too, but this is the last time that he's going to be here on his way to Jerusalem and to the cross. And So he says to them, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent. They don't want to talk about it with Jesus. Because last week we saw when when Jesus came down off the Mount of Transfiguration, he saw his disciples arguing. That time they were arguing with the scribes, with the religious leaders, but now it says the reason they, they shut up and they don't want to say anything is because they had been arguing with one another. They're fighting with each other. And what are they fighting about? Who was the greatest? And I don't. Like, you can kind of imagine how this conversation would have gone, right? Like, bro, he picked me first. I was the first disciple, dude. I don't care. I cast out the most demons, or, 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 or like, dude, I'm so much cooler than you. He lets me drive the boat, or I got the best looking beard. I don't know what it was, but this is super tone deaf right here, because Jesus just got done telling them that he's going to die, and all they care about is who's first. Who's number one? And they're fighting about it. And before we jump all over the disciples, which is super easy to do, I get it. Like, we start judging them. Like, these disciples are so stupid. Why don't they get it? Listen, listen. It's the same heart in you and me, too. This is what happens when I put myself first. I want to be first. We call it selfishness or or, or being self centered, where everything, all of my decisions, all of my desires, I think everything should revolve around me at the center. Why? Because I'm full of pride. When I think about myself first or I put myself first, it's because I think I deserve to be first. Is that true? Is that what the gospel tells us? All right, let's take a test. Can we take a, you, 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 can we take a test this morning? Here's what I want you to do. You know, I don't want you to answer this out loud. I want you to raise your hand. Um, I'm taking this from, from Daniel Aiken's commentary and kind of adapting a bit for our context. But the only way that this is going to work, I'm going to ask you some questions. The only way this is actually going to work is if you're honest with yourself, okay? Let's see if you might have this heart full of pride. Do I get upset if I'm not praised for my work? People don't look up to me and tell me how great I'm doing. Or do I pick assignments or even ministries for the recognition that I think I'll get out of them? Does the uh, prestige of my job or the honorary titles that I hold pump me up? Do I like hearing that? Do I like hearing people say what I do and, and and the titles that I hold? Do I only pursue things that I think I'll be good at and avoid doing anything where I might get embarrassed? Is it important to me that people notice me, that people like me? And, and does it bother me when I think that somebody doesn't? Am I a name dropper? Or do I tend to top other people's stories with one of my own? Do I think that I have something valuable to say about almost everything? Do do, do I impress myself? Do I like to hear myself talk? Okay, does this, um, did this kind of strike a nerve at all? If you would have to say, I, I would have to answer yes to any one of those, or even come close to answering yes to any one of those, then it means that we have the same heart problem here. See, when Jesus asked his disciples this question, do you think he knew the answer? I think he knew the answer. In fact, one commentator said his, the disciples' silence was their wordless confession. They're, they're ashamed of their pride. They're ashamed of the fact that they were fighting about it. I mean, this happens with my kids all the time, where I will ask them a question, and I know the answer already, and they know that I know the answer already, but I want them to admit it out loud. I want them to acknowledge it. Because sometimes when I have to admit out loud what I've done, it makes the stupidity of my sin stand out, right? Like, in the moment, it just felt so right for them to be fighting about this, to be arguing about this, and now it's kind of embarrassing. It's like we're, we're, we're ashamed of this. But apparently they never actually answered the question. Because verse 35, Jesus, um, he sat down and he called... The 12, he's like, all right, guys, we, we, we need to talk about this. We, we, need to, we need to deal with this right now. And, and maybe if there's some pride in your heart, in your life, uh, you need to hear this. There's some important teaching going to happen right here. Ready? Uh, here's, here's what he says. If anyone would be first, he must be, stop, stop right there, stop right there, stop right there. How, how would our culture finish that statement? If anyone would be first, he must be driven. Man, you gotta go get it. He must be ambitious. You gotta want it. You, you, you gotta think. You gotta dream. You gotta make those goals. You gotta go after it. If anyone would be first, he's gotta be competitive. Man, you gotta be ready to win. You gotta be ready to be better than other people. He must be superior. You, you, you gotta have it. No, 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 that's not what Jesus says. He says, if anyone would be first, he must be what? Gotta be last. Last of all and servant of all. I think that's the last thing that they were expecting him to say. Like, this doesn't even make sense in our world. If if you let other people go in front of you, then you're just gonna get left behind. And nobody wants to be a servant. The word servant there in the Greek is the word diakonos. It's where we get our word deacon. It it, it really means someone who's a domestic servant or someone who would uh, wait on tables. Who pays attention to the waiter? I mean, let's be honest here. When you go to the restaurant and you've got a a waiter, you kind of almost forget that they're a real person, right? They're just here to serve you. And you don't pay any attention to them until you need them. Nobody wants to be a servant. But Jesus is holding up a servant as the greatest. He's saying, he's really just redefining greatness for us. The ones who are really great, you'd you'd least expect it. I think C.S. Lewis captures this in his book, The Great Divorce. Where he imagines being on a bus tour to the outskirts of heaven. Gonna to get to go visit heaven for just a little bit, and see what it's like. And while he's there, he's walking through the woods and he saw this great procession going through the woods. It's like a parade of people, and there's lights, and there's dancing, and they're scattering flowers, and they're singing. And then he saw a lady in whose honor. All this was being done, and a great and shining train that followed her across the happy grass with the unbearable beauty of her face. Just impressed with, man, this this woman, is it, is it, I whispered to my guide. Not at all, said he. It's someone you'll never heard of. Her name on earth was Sarah Smith. And she lived at Golders Green. She seems to be, well, well, a person of particular importance. Aye. She is one of the great ones. You have heard that fame in this country and fame on earth are two quite different things. You see, the greatest will be somebody as ordinary and as generic as a Sarah Smith, not a household name, not, not, not somebody that, that, that climbs to the top of popularity in this life, not somebody that's going to do something that's so important that's going to impact the history books, but somebody who is willing to simply serve and to put others before themselves. Jesus is saying, that's greatness in the economy of God's kingdom. So how do you be a a Sarah Smith? How how do you be somebody who's last? How do you be a servant? Well, we just saw it. He just showed us the example of Christ. Where where is Jesus going? What's he on his way to do? Look, Look at it again, verse 31. What did he just get done telling them? He said, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. This is the great irony of the gospel is that the Jesus, the, the great Son of Man, is willing to be killed by men so that he can save men from their sins. And instead of thinking just about himself and trying to avoid discomfort and and putting his interests first, Jesus humbly embraced his mission to be the Messiah, the one who would be the suffering servant who died in our place. Which is why Paul says in the great chapter, Philippians chapter 2, when he celebrates this with this great hymn about Christ's humility, he says, Jesus taking the form of a servant. It's because Jesus became a servant that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Which means this, if you are his disciple, if you want to follow him, you have to follow his example and serve. So what does it look like for you to serve like Christ? What does it look like for you to, to, to stop thinking about how it's going to impact you and your schedule and what you'll have to give up or, or whether or not you'll get enough attention or not or what you're going to get out of it, whether it's going to be worth it? Are you willing? Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to do what Paul says in that chapter for us in Philippians chapter 2 when he says, In humility, count others more significant than yourselves? Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do you put others before yourself? I gotta tell you, this is hard. <laughs> and who, who is it that you're supposed to be serving? i got to tell you, I, I, I struggle with this personally. I'm not always rocking on this. But for me, having my needs met is not more important than serving my wife. And I've got to have an attitude, like, babe, it's you before me. And I can't get all bitter and angry when I don't get my way. And if something's important to her, I need to make it more important to me. What I say that she's more significant, is she's more important. And, and, and what I've got going on is not more important than my kids' interest. Man, after a long, hard day at work, when I come home, do you know what the most important thing? The most important thing for me is that I focus on how they're feeling, that I enter into their world. And I wish I was really good at this. But so often, I'm ready to just think about me first, how I'm feeling, what I got going on. But servants are willing to give up their freedom to do what they want to do on the weekend when their roommate needs help. Servants are, are willing to help their coworker, even if it's not really going to benefit them personally and nobody's going to notice it. He said, whoa, 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 there's, 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 there's got to be a limit. There's got to be a pecking order, right? We can't serve everybody. Well, what does he say? If, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And just to highlight this for us, uh, verse 36, it says he took a child. Okay, So he takes a kid and he puts him right in the middle. He's like, object less than time. And it's important for us to remember this, that, that, that in their culture, um, children weren't highly regarded like they are in ours, okay? They're not like, oh, how cute, little kid, and like we're going to you know, build stores and, and focus really on They didn't do that, okay? Kids were lowly. They didn't add a whole lot to society. And so Jesus is actually, in this instance, not saying that we need to be like a kid. He's saying we need to be like him who welcomes and receives everyone, even the kids. What are saying is, if you want to be like Christ, you're going to serve everyone, even the lowest, even the least important. You're going to have an attitude of, I'm not better than anyone, and there's no job, there's no service that's below me. I'm going to learn to put others first. Here's the reward, verse 37. Here's what you get. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me and receives him who sent me. See, when you put yourself last, you're really serving Jesus and you're putting him first and you get fellowship with the Lord. And that is way better than anything you're going to get out of your prideful selfishness. Serving actually saves you from wasting your life on worthless and destructive pursuits. And just in case anybody needed to be convinced of this, because you're thinking like, yeah, but I like it when I get my way, and, and, and I'm not sure that it really is going to be better for me. Let's just talk about what you get when you give in to your pride and your self-centeredness, okay? Here, here's, here's what you get. Here's what you end up with. You end up fighting with those closest to you. There's the disciples and they're just arguing and they're, they're, they're battling back and forth. Does this happen in your household? Does this happen for you? I mean, what does it do to your relationships? How, how, how does it go? When, when, does, does it ever go well when you're just focused on yourself? When you're in it for you? How many of our fights are really just about our pride? That's at the heart of it. That's what you get. You end up fighting with those closest to you. You also end up focusing on what's fleeting. So, so, so maybe, maybe you get what you want in that moment. But it always ends up kind of feeling empty, doesn't it? Like, yeah, you can go after yourself and what you want, but, but will it ever really give you lasting joy? It's like a work. See, sin is always fool's gold. It, it, it tricks us into thinking, but it never satisfies man, I want that. But it's just empty. It's not going to work out real well. So you're going to end up fighting with the people that are closest to you. You're going to focus on what's fleeting and then you're also going to be forgetting the mission. You're going to forget why you're even here. And instead of living with real purpose, you end up turning it into competition to see who's going to get the most or who's going to be first. But here's what the gospel tells me. Are you ready for this? The gospel tells me what I do deserve, but what I get instead. I get grace. And when I understand that, it humbles me. And it moves my heart that I would love Jesus and I would want to be like him. And so I want to serve. When I serve, that is when I'm following Jesus. When I am willing to put myself last, when I put myself below someone, that's when I look like Jesus. And so we want you as disciples to be growing in this. We want to make disciples that worship Christ, that walk with Christ, that work for Christ. This is what we do. We're not making any apologies for this. We want to focus on this. We want you to be a disciple that's going to worship Christ. Come here. Be here on Sunday mornings. This is so crucial that you would get under the teaching of God's word, that we would lift high the name of Jesus together, and that we would pray and believe firmly that God is going to answer those prayers as we worship him together. Then we want you to get in plugged into a small group so that you can walk with Christ in community, that we're going to have these relationships that are going to encourage us, spur us on to love and good works. We're going to hold one another accountable to this we're going to serve one another in those relationships and then we want you to work for christ you know what the work is making disciples we want you to serve wherever you serve in the church or whether you're going out and evangelizing the lost it's the same mission it's the same work and so we want you to be plugged in here and help us serve in any way that you can Because when you are doing this, we're never going to apologize for asking you to volunteer in the church because healthy, growing disciples serve. When you stop serving, you just start sitting and soaking. You know that when you sit and you soak, you end up souring and then you smell, right? That was free. You can have that. When you stop serving others, you just slide back to serving yourself. So we want you to grow in this. Would you join us in an area of need that we have? I'm gonna give you a couple of specific ones, okay? Here's here's what you can do. You can get your phone and you can go to next steps because everybody has a next step at harvest. We're trying to help you grow. And in the next steps, there's a button there that says start serving. And we've got some great needs. You heard some of them this morning. That We we have a lot of things that are happening here to make this happen. We would love for you to serve on our worship team, our creative team, our production team. There's a lot that's going on here. Let me tell you a couple of things that we really need. We really need people to help us with our Harvest Kids ministry. Do you know why? Because our Harvest Kids ministry is growing. It's awesome. I love it. We just opened up a new classroom. But guess what that means? We need some more people to help this, and I'm going to, okay, I'm going to tell you something. Um, I'm I'm letting the cat out of the bag a little bit early. This is a sneak uh, preview, and I'm so fired up about it. I just can't hold on to it anymore. This year, in just a few months, all right, uh, we are going to be starting Harvest Students. It's coming, all right? I love it. I love what God is doing in our church, but that means we need help, okay? We need you to help serve in that area. We also need help on our setup team, We desperately need people that are going to come and help get all of this together. It takes a lot to be able to do this. And I know that you're sitting here you're like, man, this just sounds like a a, a shameless plug. And yes, we need your help. But listen, listen, you need this opportunity to grow. Because this helps you put yourself last and put Jesus first by serving. And I am so thankful for a church that is so willing to do this. I'm looking at some people that I know are going to be so far ahead of me in the line at heaven because you're so faithful to serve Christ in this way. Thank you for that. Let me give you another discipline, another habit of disciples. Note this celebrate others' service for Christ. He keeps going. Verse 38 John, the disciple, said to him, Teacher, We saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him. Why? Because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly, I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink, because you belong to Christ, will by no means lose his reward. So apparently um, John uh, saw somebody that he didn't recognize wearing a Team Jesus jersey, and and this guy's going around casting out demons, and and, and John's like, this guy must be a a poser, so we tried to stop him. Like We we, we can't have that. So why did he try to stop him? What does the text say? Because he was not following us. Problem. This guy's not breaking any company policy. There's no uh, copyright uh, infringement here. Think think, think about this for just a minute. People who were living under demonic oppression are being set free. Satan's kingdom is being defeated, and the name of Jesus is being highlighted. That's a win, right? Like we should be excited about that, right? But 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 why? So so why is he really trying to stop them? It's because he wants to see God working powerfully in the name of Jesus, but he doesn't want to see God using somebody else besides him and his buddies to do it. It, it really just betrays his his kind of elitist us for and no more attitude. Like We're on the team, not you. We belong. We're the ones that Jesus is pouring into. And and quite frankly, it had to really bother these disciples that this guy is apparently having success doing the very thing that the disciples had just failed at. Remember last week we saw them, one of the reasons they were arguing with the scribes is because they were trying to cast out one demon and they couldn't do it. And here's this guy having all sorts of success casting out demons. But instead of celebrating an obvious work of God, they are jealous. And they're even angry. They they can't get him to stop. And John tells Jesus like like, like he's expecting Jesus to pat him on the back for this or something. Or or like Jesus is going to go shut him down. But instead, verse 39, he says, don't stop him. He's not going to be able to talk bad about me. And no one who is against us, if he's not against us, he's for us. What he's trying to help his disciples understand is this. My team is bigger than just you 12 guys. God's team is bigger than just Harvest Fairfax. Let me think about it. This this is obviously a mighty work of God in Jesus' name. Satan's not doing that. Satan doesn't cast out demons. We, we remember that from chapter 3 when they accused Jesus of casting out demons in Satan's power. He's like, guys, that doesn't even make sense. Obviously, this is a work of God that you should be celebrating, not trying to stop. And he says, whoever gives you a, a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. See, when someone loves Jesus, they want to serve him. Guess what they want? They want to serve the church. And when somebody serves the church, they will be rewarded. You, You shouldn't find opposition to serving Jesus within the church. I mean, remember, God's kingdom is way bigger than just us. God is not just working here. I want you to imagine, just for a minute, I want you to imagine that that revival breaks out in Fairfax. That that, that God starts working and moving and the church is growing and disciples are being made and people are, are getting saved, they're coming to Christ and they're being baptized and they're being sent out on missions trips and it's just awesome. You're seeing God do this really powerful work right here in Fairfax through another church, not Harvest. Would we celebrate that? Can can I just be real with you? (laughs) There are some days where I think that would be hard to swallow. I hate that I have to admit that. Let's make it personal. Let's say that your ministry, you love serving the kids. You love, you're good at it. You enjoy getting back there and interacting with them and you love to serve in that way. And then someone else starts to volunteer who's obviously more gifted than you and the kids love them and the parents just rave about how that person is really impacting their family so much. And would you be able to celebrate the work that God is doing through them? Or small group snacks. Some of y'all are awesome at this, right? And, and and this is your ministry and you you have hospitality running through your blood and you just love to bless others. And then some other jerk joins your small group and comes in and they're crushing it on, on snacks. And now all everybody can talk about is how they can't wait for that person to be on snacks next. Are, are you thankful for their service? See, see here's, here, here's the deal. Any twinge of of jealousy, is really just pride. That's what it is. And we're we're just being honest and we're being real here. It's kind of hard when somebody is better than you. They're more gifted or they're more successful or they're bearing more fruit than us. But are we more concerned with Christ's glory or our own? Why are we doing this? Don't turn the mission into competition. We're not in it to see who can get the most recognition. We're not going to fight just to be the greatest. I'm going to put others before me. I'm going to celebrate and say, praise God. Look at how he's working. This is kingdom work. Look at what God is doing. And when you put yourself last, that's when you can really put Jesus first. And you'll be excited whenever his power is on display because you really want him to look good. So I'm just praying that we're going to grow in this as a church, that we're going to be willing to be humble. We're going to be a church that wants to serve Christ by serving one another. Amen? Father, I pray that you would make this true of us. We thank you for this word. And um we're trying to be real with you that, that um, this is not always easy. It just comes naturally that I think about myself, I think about what I got going on, and I think that what I got going on is more important than what everybody else has got going on. And, and I want to get the recognition, I want people to notice, I want people to think I'm awesome. But the, that's, that's not the way you came. You came as a humble servant. And so, Lord, I'm praying that you would speak the gospel to us again. Remind us of what we really do deserve but what we get instead. Thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And I pray that that would motivate us to humble ourselves. To be willing to be last. Last of all. That we wouldn't think that we're better than anybody. We wouldn't think that we are above any form of service or ministry. Lord, I'm praying that this is going to start tonight. It's going to start this afternoon. We're going to recognize the opportunities that we have to stop focusing on me and consider others more significant than myself. Lord, we love you. And we're so thankful that when we turn our eyes to you and worship you, it leads to ministry. I'm praying that you would get all the glory for it. That's in, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.